0: something that really kind of either connected me or bothered me about this book is older Jack bore to me, a striking resemblance to Anthony Bourdain. So I couldn't, (laughs) no, don't laugh because Bourdain, you know, tragically killed himself uh, several years ago. And he's one of, when a popular figure passes, I don't care, but there are a few, you know, some older, some young, uh, Kurt Cobain, Elliot Smith, uh, Tom Petty, Anthony Bourdain, all white guys for some reason. But their passing affects me and sits with me. Like, I still get sad when I think about uh, Elliot Smith no longer being with us or Anthony Bourdain no longer being with us. It's been so long since we've met up to talk about comics, right? I don't even know what we're doing this week. Patience. I think I've had more than enough patience with the rate of our weekly turned monthly turned bi monthly updates to this podcast.
1: No, no, no. That's what we're talking about this episode Dan Klaus's
0: 2016 graphic novel, Patience. Oh, right. I'd forgotten. We are not covering the amazing Guns N' Roses song, Patience. We're doing this weird gimmick where we discuss a comic for each letter of the alphabet. And last episode, we talked about O for On a Sunbeam, a love story that takes place across space. So I guess for this episode, we're on to PS for Patience, which is- Is a love story that takes place across time. That includes at least three things I love to read comic books about. Tell me more. So- patience is by the legendary cartoonist dan klaus famous
1: for ghost world among many many other graphic novels and comics and it's klaus's longest and trippiest graphic novel yet fun fact it was originally supposed to be under 100 pages and then the project just expanded in scope now the three graphic novels klaus wrote before this death ray ice haven and wilson were really pared back showing just the essential moments of each story Patience, by contrast, is really expansive, both in terms of its complex narrative and in terms of its huge, trippy visuals. And that was a decision Klaus said he made intentionally to contrast with his previous work.
0: Yeah, I'm told that most of Klaus's work is populated by frustrated people who are really unlucky in love, but when Patience opens... The two protagonists, the eponymous Patience and her husband Jack, have found each other. They're married, they're in love, they're about to have a baby. All is mostly great, but one day Jack comes home to find Patience murdered on the floor. And so for the next 17 years, he embarks on a quest to find her killer. And when that doesn't work, he steals a time travel device to go back in time, 23 years to find her killer, and you guessed it, try to stop him. And this book soon turns into the most unconventional murder mystery and love story that we've ever read. I'm Ryan Joe. I'm Roman Segel, And we're two guys who've tried to rewind the clock, but we're just
1: getting more
0: middle-aged. I don't know what you're talking about. I have the constitution of a semi-healthy 65-year-old. Oh, that's great, Roman. That
1: uh, gives me all the confidence that you're not going to just drop dead right in the middle of this podcast. Or run for president. (laughs) Let's move on to the next topic, which is you telling me, how did you react when you finished this book?
0: About... 20% of the way in, I was like, I figured this out. I know exactly what's going to happen. He's the murderer, right? I was like, I I see where this is going. Let's go on a ride. And I appreciated that Klaus chose not to make the obvious choice. And you know, I, this is my first Dan Klaus book and I, I took this book on vacation and I grabbed a bunch of other Dan Klaus books to read as well. Ghost World and Eight Ball. And I was like, it's gonna be great. I'm gonna read a bunch of Dan Klaus and I'm gonna end on Patience. And then as with vacations with young children go, I had no time for myself. So I decided I'd just read Patience. And I don't know why I want this to be my first Dan Klaus book. <laughs> I mean, I was entertained, but I don't I didn't come into it with anything. Like and 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 Klaus is an interesting figure for me because I know he's a big influence of another creator that we love, Adrian Tomine. So I, I had mixed feelings going in. Really mixed expectations about this book, but I enjoyed it because it kind of took me on a journey. But I don't well, know, right? What about well, you? Had, had you read it before? I'm, yeah. I'm actually curious about the mixed part. Like, what what did you like about it, and what didn't quite work for you? Well, I mean, I think what I didn't quite work is I, I was expecting, and you actually said this in the intro, that Klaus kind of writes about these. You know, people who, real people who are unlucky in love, the frustrations and the awkwardness and kind of everything, you know, even in another book we've read on this podcast, Lon- Loneliness of the Long Distance Cartoonist, people call out Tomine for being derivative of Klaus. And I think Tomine is really talented. And so, I, fine, that's a compliment if you're derivative of this guy, Klaus. I, this guy, Klaus, must be awesome. And the two styles felt nothing like each other. So I, I came in with weird expectations. And I'm guessing, I, I'm kind of working my way through Ghost World right now, so I can kind of see the similarities. But Patience is so different. And something I've been reading about Klaus, he has another book that's about to come out, so I've been reading a lot of press about him, is that in his later works, he's kind of taking these like really trippy experimental approaches. So I guess what, I, what didn't work for me is... I had the wrong expectations going into it as my first Dan Klaus book. What really worked for me was this was kind of a trippy, fun story. I think you sent me a quote, which is dead on. He didn't want to go down all the same time travel tropes. He just wanted to have fun with time travel. And this is, you know, it's kind of like the Hitler's baby thing. And they referenced that more than a few (laughs) times in this book. I, I like that they chose not to take the obvious choices, even though that's what the characters think they have to do. What about yeah. You?
1: Yeah. No, I really, I actually am a big fan of Patience. The other Klaus- Had you read it before? I, I had read it a few years ago when it came out. And then before mm-hmm. that, I had read Ghost World. And Ghost World mm-hmm. is, you know, I mean, I think you mentioned Tomine being inspired by Klaus. You know, Ghost World is sort of similar tonally and in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, it's very grounded. It's actually very mm-hmm. similar to Tomine's work or maybe Tomine's work is similar to the, 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 the Ghost World version of Klaus- and what i i like about some of his more recent work like patience is that he's really kind of taking some of that you know that 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 examination of people who are deeply unhappy and are searching for themselves he takes that but he kind of like tosses them into this weird genre factory and so in the case of patience right it starts out as this couple who's sort of struggling The guy has lied to patients about his job, and he's struggling with confronting her about it. And you and and you actually think
0: that's where the book is going, right? We're just gonna follow these people along, and then suddenly she's dead, and and no, and not even that. And then suddenly it's twenty years later, right? No, and then and then yeah, right. And
1: then and then it gets really weird when suddenly it's twenty years later, and you see this extremely strange version of the book looks like nothing like how it started out. It's like a uh,
0: Westworld future with genetically modified people
1: and yeah. blah blah. blah. Right. And then and then and then there's a time machine. <laughs> and then he's 20, and
0: then you're kind of back into this very sort of
1: grounded but, 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 ugly but really, environment. But
0: even how they get to the time machine. It's like we're in the far future. We don't have Star Trek technology. We're just in the future with like genetically modified prostitutes and drugs and he's kind of living this life. He's an old man, right? Yeah. Living this kind of depressed life. And even time travel still feels like very sci-fi. Not in the realm of impossibility because now we have the technology, but even that is like far fetched technol- technology in the in the world, kind of like AI would be far fetched two years ago. Yeah. And, so, and I yeah. kind of
1: like that. Right. It's not this thing that he
0: yeah. can't just go and book a time machine. He just he just kind of almost stumbles
1: upon this guy who has a time machine and decides to appropriate it so he can go back in time
0: and stop his wife's killer. But even, and even the but- even the way Klaus like does that, it's he's like he he sees it, he they don't articulate and he's like, oh shit. And then end of chapter. Next chapter. He's already traveled in time. Right. So there's he's, no exposition, which I love.
1: He doesn't yeah, he doesn't care about the nature of how this time machine works. And to the extent that he does show you how it works, it's only because he needs to create some sort of plot point around it. Like, I need more juice to get back to the to the future. And but what I, I really like is that he you know, the way he uses the the time machine and you know even though klaus says he's not really interested in exploring the mind fucky aspects of time travel i feel he uses the time travel trope very very effectively because it really it's not just the thing that kind of catapults the main character into the past and sets up the you know and 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 gets a plot moving he actually it actually kind of really informs the murder when it's revealed because the reason patience is ultimately murdered is because of like sort of like this chain of events that the main character sets off and i i really kind of appreciated how klaus brought all of that into into play and i and and i also appreciated that i felt he actually used the time travel aspect as sort of a decoy because as you mentioned what your initial assumption is that the main character in trying to find his wife's killer is actually the one who kills her, right? That's that's sure. sort of like where we expect it to go, and I I feel like Klaus actually sets that up with the whole way he handles the time travel because he everything seems sort of preordained. You know, you have like the butter, you know, like the there's the butterfly effect. This is the exact opposite of it. When he goes back in time, he starts screwing things up. He starts messing with the past, but nothing fucking changes in the present. Like it's, it's, he's, he actually remarks on that. He's like, huh, I would, exp- I, I, for all the things I've done, nothing's really changed. And so you kind of get the sense well, that now everything we know that's happening the
0: overplayed, is overplayed, you know, overplayed trope of the multiverse. That's what's happening. That's why.
1: Right. Right. When I mean, actually kind of, that's, that's sort of ultimately what, what sort of happens at the end. But I feel like, you know, as, as you kind of realize that everything is preordained, it almost seems to set up, okay, this guy is definitely going to be the one who kills his wife. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then you re- re- you find out who the actual killer is and what their motivation is, and that also makes sense. It's just that Klaus really kind of cleverly hid it, at least to me. I didn't I didn't see it coming.
0: I mean, even they, though it makes it's not it's not that you don't see it coming because it's this random reoccurring thing that happens, but it's so obfuscated by what you think is the obvious solution. It's right. Him. It's not ha, these other things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But I also think that he Klaus masks it really well. Like, yeah. I, I hate you know just as much as you hate murder mysteries where you know from page twenty who the murderer is. Right. It's right. also really annoying when you when the murderer is just someone who's so random it just makes no damn sense. And in this case, it actually makes sense. And Klaus does set it up early. It's just it's just kind of masked as a background, like an incident that really kind of shows how shitty patient's life is in her her hometown. And then you realize that an event that seems sort of like, you know, just a a shitty incident is actually something that eventually precipitates a murder or or a murder attempt. And I thought that was really clever. I, I really appreciated how Klaus was able to kind of decoy us, but when he does reveal who the killer is, It actually makes it makes sense. Like we understand that killer's motivation and
0: why it's happening the way it does. How? I mean, there's a handful of scenes. You know, when the the main character is uh, tripping or at the end. How? I mean, I was really trying to make sense of those the first or second time, and I couldn't understand that, so I kept reading just to get back to the plot. By the time I get to the next to last page, you kind of get that again. And I really couldn't make any sense of it. I reread it and read it, read it and reread it over and over again. And then it kind of closes with an essay. So I don't know. But I think think I'm okay with not understanding what happened.
1: I mean, he, he has these kind of weird hallucinations. And part of that is like, he's not even sure why he's having it. Is that as he travels more and more through time, is it screwing up his body? He's not sure. But it's, it's creating this sort of like strange reaction, and it's causing him to just kind of lose track of reality. And that's often conveyed in these huge splash pages that Klaus kind of throws in there. And it's actually something I really appreciated because it added this strange visual element to the entire to the entire book. And it, and it kind of I thought those, those trippy moments were really good at just showcasing how completely disillusioned and removed from reality, increasingly removed from reality, this guy is, right? I mean, the more he's trying to kind of save his wife, the greater a cost it's it's coming to him and to his mentality and to in, in a way to his sanity. And he's becoming he's becoming further and further removed. It feels like like from just from from being human, especially as he you know as he as he starts to kill and you know in order to in order ostensibly to
0: to save his wife or to save his it's not even to save his wife, which he is it's to save his life because he's trying to reset the timeline right. to go back to. He doesn't care what the life he's living, the consequences of it are, because it's about saving his past life, the life that could have been.
1: Right. But, but also it's such a huge contrast. Jack as an older man is such a huge contrast to Jack as a young man. Jack as a young man is, you know, insecure, but very much in love with this, with this woman. And he's just trying to make things work. He's somebody who we can kind of relate to. And then Jack as an older man, he is just, you know, so incredibly single minded. He's almost like a, he
0: is essentially a, a completely different character. Although, um, although you know, the one trope that he does, that that class does employ is when, you know, old man Jack interacts with patients and gives her or she recovers his ID, which is just like, you know, his old ID, right? She uses that to discover young Jack. So it's kind of preordained. He caused. The right. Meeting, which right. again, it's, it's fine. It's cute. But it, it is one of those time travel well,
1: tropes. No, he caused the meeting. He's also the one who kind of caused, who put the murderers on her trail right because yeah. of that videotape which I won't describe to our, our listeners because it's just too convoluted to do so but yeah you know Jack in traveling back in time is the one who kind of sets in motion his meeting with her and 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 sets in motion the the reason for you know the killers to actually try to kill her
0: yeah but I, I you know I, I actually I mean, did that bother you? I mean, what was your... What was no, no, it at? didn't. It's just it, it's literally a realization I just had a second ago. It's like, oh, he did employ a trope. Like, as much as you with time travel, as much as you want to try to avoid all the tropes, some of them are kind of unavoidable, right? The loop, effectively, that Jack creates the the ca- the causality, so to speak. But then, it's of fun. course, no, at the at,
1: at the end, you talk about the loop, but at the end, the loop is broken because, yeah. Because he says to her, because she doesn't die, right? There's no reason for Jack now to travel back in time. He effectively succeeds in his mission. The, I think the real sad thing at the end, actually, is he, after he saves her, he kind of has this thought, like, his, his assumption was that he's going to suddenly find himself whisked back into the future, and he's going to have his wife, and everything's going to be moved back, be normal. But he realizes that even though he saves her, he's still who he is. And that the younger Jack is the one who's going to have the option of, you know, having a future with this, with this woman. And, you know, his, you know, I I, I don't know if like Klaus had any, you know, I don't think Klaus had any sort of like greater intent on any thematic.
0: I mean, I, I buy it and I,
1: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But I, I, I do. Seizes, I mean, he sees to be basically. He right. Be. It's,
1: it's. I mean, it's. It's a. It's a broken loop. And then, of course, the Jack,
0: the future Jack, just there's no reason for him to exist anymore. Well, well, and and again, I, something I said earlier, he wasn't just trying to save her; he was trying to save himself. But ultimately, he winds up sacrificing himself. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He does in the timeline, and younger him gets to gets a do over. Yeah, he never actually patience. gets. A,
1: he never actually gets to be. It's a little bit sad because he both never gets to be with her, but yes, yet he. He he does, you know. He 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 ensures that she survives and and that his uh, this other version of Jack gets to gets to be with. Yeah, her. Yeah, but
0: isn't that love? Like, I mean, that's in theory that is kind of what you do in love, right? Yeah, it, it's it's a selfless act.
1: But he didn't if know he, that he was.
0: He didn't know though, because he he kind of fair, fair. His, his his motivation was selfish, but ultimately, you know, it's a sacrifice, and she lives and she will be happy. So, yeah, the end.
1: Did you feel like this book was, you know, did it, did it really kind of hit you? Did it really resonate with you or you, or did you just kind of feel it was like a
0: light romp? Or yeah. There the latter. The okay. latter. There, there's, I mean, kind of thinking through the sacrifice it's touching, but some of the, I, I was not moved if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was. And so I think maybe again, I, I really need to read more of Klaus's other work to know if he has that impact that I wasn't disturbed. I was entertained, but I wasn't moved. If if that makes sense, and that's okay. I had a fun time travel story where. This could be. I don't want to say this could be an action movie, but this could be a really trippy action movie to watch. So cool. But well, Jack is
1: Jack is kind of a you know the older Jack is, you know he's a very disaffected guy. He's he's a really angry guy. I mean, you don't really see. I mean, as much as he's motivated by his love for patience and his attempt to try to protect her. You don't really see that deep bond that you know, ostensibly the younger Jack would have had with her. And maybe that's sort of what's missing for you. I'm kind of speculating here.
0: Yeah, you know something else? Just to park a very weird thought, and my wife says I'm face-blind, so this is going to illustrate how face-blind I am. Something that really kind of either connected me or bothered me about this book is older Jack bore, to me, a striking resemblance to Anthony Bourdain. So I couldn't... (laughs) No, don't laugh because Bourdain, you know, tragically killed himself uh, several years ago. And he's one of, when a popular figure passes, I don't care, but there are a few, you know, some older, some young, Kurt Cobain, Elliot Smith, Tom Petty, Anthony Bourdain, all white guys for some reason, but their passing affects me and sits with me. Like I still get sad when I think about Elliot Smith no longer being with us or Anthony Bourdain no longer being with us. Three of these four people I mentioned committed suicide. And it sat with me. I couldn't not see Anthony Bourdain. I could not not hear his voice as old Jack uh, as I read this book. And that kind of sat with me in a weird way. And I, I literally just Googled to see if that was there. And again, I'm face blind. So maybe they don't look like each other. But I kind of read. I kind of read Jack as Anthony Bourdain playing him in a, in a movie. Well, he did. Them, they do look like each other.
1: I, I, I laugh. Okay, I mean, they the actually do I look.
0: Like they do look like each other. Okay,
1: but they, you okay. know, I mean, this book was published two years before he died. I, I feel like this is sort of like one of those sort of unintended consequences that you know no one could have foreseen. So that's why I laugh. It's just sort of like not exactly... It's it's sort of like the last reaction I would have expected
0: somebody to have when reading this. Did you Did Patience. you see it when you read it? Or now that I say it, you see it? Now
1: that you say it, I see it. But yeah, when I read it, I did not look at him and think Anthony Bourdain. And you know th- that, that did not yeah. affect my reading of it, let's just say.
0: Yeah, I, I, again, I think I was only ready to receive that because he's... Like I said, he's one of those people who went to this day... When I see an old episode, when I read an article about when I hear a Tom Petty song or an Elliott Smith song in the car, I get sad. And so to see anything that reminds me of Bourdain bonds me up. But on the flip side of that argument, I still wasn't as emotionally connected with the book as I could have been. And maybe I was expecting more of an emotional connection and I didn't let myself have one because of that. I don't know. What did you think of
1: Patience? I mean, not the book, but the character. Because we haven't spoken about her at all,
0: and she actually—I mean, the the one thing the one thing I enjoyed at, at first, she was kind of just a set piece, you know, a reason for the mission. But I think by the time there's, it might be in like chapter three or four, you see the world from her perspective, and you even see some of the scenes from her perspective, and she takes a little bit of agency. But at first, so I guess I enjoyed seeing her turn into someone versus being kind of a a nobody and just a reason for being this this flawless perfect human being whereas in reality she had kind of a fucked up upbringing
1: oh yeah she had a very fucked up upbringing i I actually you know in the comics journal dan klaus said that he started the book with jack and then eventually he you know he started adding more and more patience into it until you know she really kind of took up about half the book and he actually ultimately found her to be the more interesting character it's really kind of interesting in the beginning you mentioned he's she's just you know sort of almost a bit of a blank slate she's just seems like a great yeah. person and you, you're in jack's head and then she's dead but in the latter half of the book towards the end you kind of see that same time period right before her murder and you get it off from her point of view and you see all of the things that she's wrestling with and a lot of it Stems back to the trauma that was caused by the older Jack in her, in her past and the confusion that all that, that her encounters with the older Jack as a younger woman caused her. And Mm -hmm. again, I really appreciated that. That's not only is, do we get her point of view, but we also get to see how the events of the past really kind of impacted her, affected her and created a, a, a tremendous amount of insecurity in her current relationship and i thought that was also Hmm. really clever of 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 klaus and the way he structured this whole book but i i i will agree with you like i you know like adrian tomine he he really dives deep into the into his characters and their insecurities and I, certainly in Patience, Klaus kind of like, you get a sense of what they are, but you're not as immersed in them as you are in like Tomine's, in some of Tomine's
0: But characters. is that because in with Patience, again, I I want to read 8-Ball after I finish Ghost World, but I feel like with Patience, you can't get as immersed because you have to satisfy all the other plot stuff that your mind yeah, is to wrap itself around. I think you're right. And I'm genuinely curious after reading this, again, my assumption is Klaus has that Tomine sensibility that we both like, which is why we should go read his other stuff. Right? Cool. Let's go read it. And this was this was Klaus's okay computer, his like trippy thing that he wanted to try out. And I kind of want to see someone like Tomine go go trippy. Like all of these are works of fiction, sure. But they're works of fiction, with the exception of patience, they're works of fiction that could happen in the world. Dissatisfied people lovers, spats, all that shit, right? That happens. So that's why it speaks to us. It's so familiar. But but if you took that same discipline with these people, um, and, and again, maybe that's what Klaus is trying to do with Patience and Jack. And, but but then you kind of put it through the ringer, these very real characters into these sci-fi or these trippy tropes. And that's what he's attempting to do. And I respect that, putting trying to apply his sensibility to something more fantastic. And I'm not talking about superheroes, right? And that's, it's a, it's a hard... It's, it's a hard needle to thread because, you know, we see someone like Gene Luen Yang, you know, we like his work and then you see him go do superhero and it's fine, but it's doesn't have that, that personal oomph, that, that forced awkwardness or whatever that we, we like about some of these creators who do just like regular real person fiction.
1: Right. I don't know. Well, I, so,
0: I, I'm curious to see more of this.
1: Right. So I think you're right in that, you know, when you have, so on the one hand, genre is a great genre, like science fiction or, or crime novels, or you
0: know, uh, film noir, right. something like that. Fantasy. Things that can never really happen. Right. It's
1: a great vehicle to explore certain emotions, certain aspects of being human. And on the other hand, the, the the danger is that sometimes you have to you have to satisfy certain plot elements. And yeah, but but I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, saying I'm, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm just saying that as like okay, this, so this is this is some this is not like a criticism or like a justification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, I agree with you that, you know, Klaus had to satisfy certain plot elements, you know, and he really didn't get to dive into the exact nature of what, you know, the young Jack and the young patients, why they were together, why they were in love, what right. made them, you know, she just kind of mentions he he's the only one who'd been nice to her. But what are the, you know, you don't get the, the, the full complexity of their of their relationship. It's really more about, you know, preventing her death. But I, I also don't think that that was what Klaus wanted to explore in Patience.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but it, it, to me it's a missed opportunity because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out a few more creators for you. And I, I know we probably disagree on them, but in this kind of order of my discovery of them, Kevin Smith, then Brian Michael Bendis, then Robert Kirkman, right? So Kevin Smith of like Clerks and Mallrats fame went on to write some popular comics and superheroes, and what people loved about it was, wow, he's got this Not quite semi-realistic, but realistic feeling Aaron Sorkin-esque dialogue that he's bringing to Green Arrow and the Justice League and the kind of mundane conversations they're having. Wow, they feel like real people. Bendis certainly does that in everything he does. Again, whether or not you like his dialogue or not. And Kirkman does it to an even better degree in Walking Dead and Invincible. And I would make the argument that writers of human, awkward dialogues uh, at the level of Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld are people like Klaus and Tomine. And I think they would fucking like just destroy anything those other three creators would do if they would lean into their kind of awkward, realistic sensibilities into these kind of sci-fi, fantastical explorations. I, I genuinely want to see it. I've gotten a taste of it now, right? I know they're better at these deeply human, awkward stories. So, so I kind of want to see their take on the fantastic. I want to read a Daniel Klaus Fantastic Four.
1: Well, I think I mean with Klaus, you know, I think he, you know, he said in interviews he he kind of wrote patience as sort of you know a reaction to his last three graphic novels, which were kind of he was thinking about comics like comic strips as they appear in newspapers, and in this one he kind of wanted these this sort of like big bold these full page spreads, pulpy five color, pulpy five five color, right? And you know, given you know, so so he's it doesn't feel like he's necessarily. I'm kind of speculating again on like Klaus's creative process and I know nothing about it, but you know, it doesn't feel like he was, you know, starting with necessarily like a character and problems that he needed to work out. He's, it felt like he kind of had this, this idea of this greater story he wanted to tell. And he kind of like created the characters that fit that story. I don't know for sure. That's my speculation, but yeah, I mean, I mean, so, so I guess for me, Kind of seeing what class, what I, what I assume class wanted to create, I, that patience really, really worked for me at that level.
0: I think he accomplished what he set out to do, but I want him to have more at bats, you know, because he was setting out to do his western and his trippy story, not for the sake of doing it, because he wanted to do the thought experiment of what he could do with it. But he, I think, he did it at the sacrifice of, and again, I've only read half of Ghost World. But he did it at the expense of he left some of his other stuff behind. He didn't bring every he didn't bring all of his Klaus to the table because he wanted to go do this trippy exploration. And I think it's a shame. Again, I enjoyed the book. I had to make no bones about it but I from what I know about him and Tamine, I just kind of wanted I mean I, I just would love to, I don't need them to go do popular characters right like the Fantastic Four the X-Men. yeah, I, mean, I don't need to see Wes Anderson's X-Men right. But I genuinely would like to kind of see more of that tortured humanism applied to the fantastic elements.
1: Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I don't actually know. Has, has there is there a book that you can think of that actually, or a a movie or something that you can think of that actually, you know, has, you know, that that
0: actually kind of accomplishes that? I mean, the, it's it's the stuff I said earlier, right? The when I first read Kevin Smith's Green Arrow run, you know not his Daredevil run, but his Green Arrow run, I was like, wow, okay, that's fun. When I first read Bendis, right? Bendis grew up in crime and then he tackled Spider-Man, right? And he's now tackled pretty much every major superhero property. And it's becoming a bit of a trope the way Bendis does it. So it's tired now, but the way he wrote Spider-Man, Peter Parker was real all of a sudden, more real than he's ever been. And in Invincible and in Walking Dead, those comics, like these are real people dealing with these fantastic elements, uh, having the same conversations they, that we would with our with our partners and our friends uh, and our lovers. So I've seen it done, uh, and to be clear, they're getting because of their popularity. They're all becoming very tired and they're recycling the same stuff. But even you know, Kirkman. Kirkman's a really interesting example. He he did a time travel book. I want to say not Oblivion, but I, I read it on a vacation a couple years ago. I've been wanting to bring it to to this podcast. And he he kind of attempted the time travel thing as well, and it, I genuinely appreciated it. But again, these aren't necessarily indie creators; these are independent comics creators who then made it big in superheroes. Whereas people like Klaus and Tomine have really just like crafted their trade because their publishers kind of let them do whatever they want. I I'm, I I don't know. So I've seen it done before, but I I make the argument that Klaus has a and, and Tomine have a talent that surpasses that of Kirkman and Bendis.
1: Yeah, I've I, I loved Walking Dead. Kirkman juggled all of those personalities really, really brilliantly. I didn't actually, I didn't read the whole thing, but I read about half of it. Walking Dead story,
0: go ahead. Yeah, no, tell me the
1: quick Walking Dead story.
0: So I've been a longtime reader of Walking Dead. I buy the, the hardback volumes whenever they come out. So I have to wait almost a whole year between reading issues or reading it. And, you know, Kirkman has long since said, it's a zombie story that never ends. So you just, you know, I'm always going to read that you're on this journey with these people. And I remember sitting on my couch reading the latest Walking Dead graphic novel that had just come in the mail because I pre-ordered it, sitting on the couch, staying up to read it. And he did this on purpose. He didn't tell people he was ending the book. And so I finished issue 100 and whatever, and he ends it just right there. And it wasn't a sudden ending. It's like, oh my God, this whole thing, this movie just ended. And I sat on the couch at like two in the morning in our apartment at the time. And I just cried because I was like, oh my God, I just said goodbye to all these people. And I didn't know I was going to be saying goodbye. They didn't all die, but in a way they did, because I'm never going to read about Rick and everyone again. The comic just abruptly ended and no one knew it was going to end. He just did it. And and to me, that speaks to like the power and the weight of these characters and the, the dialogue that he built. So anyway, it was one of the most moving moments of fiction that I've had in my life up there. Right. Right. Because I didn't see it coming. So I was just thinking about what you were saying, though, about you know, you know, the way you were impacted
1: by Spider Man, Bendis's Spider Man. Yeah. I haven't read Kevin Smith's Green Air, I've read his Daredevil. Mm. I, I feel like one thing that those writers do with their characters is that oftentimes those they're, they're, those characters are very good at articulating exactly how they're feeling. Like they mm. will have it out in dialogue. They'll have these intense heart-to-hearts throughout the book and that that can, you know that can be really effective i feel like with klaus his characters tend to be a little bit more disaffected they aren't always particularly self-aware or they put up this armor that kind of keeps other people including the reader sometimes from really understanding exactly how they're thinking or processing things and that can you know create a certain coldness to these characters i mean I, I remember ghost world also like you don't really know how the two girls are actually like how they're actually processing the different things that are happening around them and mm-hmm. part of it is because they might not know and i think that's also true with patience like these characters don't have the answers and you know on the one hand maybe that keeps you from having those intense tear jerk moments that yeah, can yeah. be really, really effective. And it also kind of requires you to sort of guess, like, okay, I think I know what's going on with these characters, but I'm not sure. So there's a lot, I think, with Klaus, that with his characters that that goes unspoken. And, you know, whether that works for you or doesn't work for you is really kind of a matter of, of you know, your own personal taste and aesthetic. You like the, the characters that have these kind of more operatic moments where, you know, like saga for instance you know you kind of see these characters wrestling with things and trying to figure it out and and talking it through and have these conflicts where they have this catharsis and i think klaus kind of almost kind of keeps that from you for most of the book and that does create a certain coldness that can be that can be distancing frankly but i feel that's also honest because jack is a distant character i mean literally he's 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 so out of touch with his humanity where at the point when he starts traveling back through time and he gets even more out of touch the further and further he goes and then it's only at the end where he kind of makes this plea to her like i please just choose me and not the other version of me and then mm-hmm. of course you know she 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 makes her choice and it's it's the right choice and i, and I feel that's I don't know. I, I feel that's that's, you know, just just kind of like Klaus's way of seeing the world, but I also feel that that's yeah. that's honest to who who this character is, who these characters are. Yeah. I mean, you know, Patience, she has her insecurities about her relationship, but she doesn't talk about it with Jack. I mean, there's there's a, yeah. there's young Jack at least. She talks about it with her therapist and she still doesn't know how to fully yeah. articulate it because she's afraid people are going to look at her and say she's fucking crazy. And that to me yeah. is actually, actually kind of sad. Because yeah. there's so much going on inside her head and so much conflict that she can't.
0: The, the interiority was the interiority was pretty nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. So anyway, Ryan, would you recommend this? Book yeah, this one? I. I you, you did the oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like patience, but this is the sort of thing that I really like. I like these kind of trips through the genre factory. I like I like being constantly surprised. I like a plot that where I, I'm like I have no idea where it's going, and then when it goes, and then it goes to some unexpected place, and it's like, okay, that actually makes sense, but I totally didn't see it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would I would definitely – and I also just love the art. I love how yeah. trippy it is. I love how sometimes B, there are these yeah. weird moments that would just happen. Like, you know, Jack is interrogating somebody, and then some dude in a weird robot suit shows up, like, just zaps it, and it's like, <laughs> okay. But also, you understand why that guy is there, and it does make a certain amount of sense why he's there. So, yeah, yeah I yeah. – I actually really appreciated Patience. It's it's one of those, it's it's a murder mystery and a love story, the likes of which I had never read before. And I don't think I'll probably ever read again. I don't think there are a lot. There's just like not a lot of books that are like this. How about yeah. you?
0: I mean, with a couple of qualifications, you know, do you like time travel stories? Well, I've got something weird for you. Or, and I think I'd, I'd, I'd leave it at that. You know, I, I don't think there should be, I went into this wanting to read Klaus book. That's literally how we got into this book, how we made our way to this book. When, after we finished reading some Tamine or after we interviewed him, that I referenced that I'd never read anything by Klaus. And this just happened to be a book that started with P. Yeah. So if you're out to read Klaus, maybe not make this your first one, but if you're just looking for a fun time travel romp, go for it. I I feel like,
1: I I feel like patience more than any other book sort of encapsulates, you know, our, our, our different aesthetics and the different ways that you and I kind of, the different sorts of, uh, stories that you and I respond to. Um, yeah, that's fair. And I, I feel like, you know, like, like I tend to like the, just the weird trippier stuff. Um, you like the stuff that has sort of like more of a, of a, of a deeper operatic emotional core, like, like on a sunbeam for instance, yeah, yeah. And- yeah
0: so, soap operatic. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's yeah. funny when I was a kid and I was watching Star Trek: The Next Generation. My sister walked in, and my older sister walked in and watched half an episode. She's like, "Rumman, this is a soap opera in space." And I was like, "Well, yeah." yeah. So,
1: <laughs> like that's a that's a point.
0: That's that's the appeal. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, and it's interesting. Um, like, there are areas where you know, kind of like the Venn diagram kind of overlaps. I think, mm-hmm, like with Adrian Tomine. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's 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 just it I, I actually, you know, think patience more than anything really kind of showcases our our the different sorts of art that we like and uh, the stories that we respond to,
0: yeah, I would say, look, there is a bit of an overlap in this one, but the 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 two circles don't fully overlap. Right. I enjoyed this. I just didn't love it. you You used a lot of superlatives uh, in in the last few minutes, and I was like, yeah, I guess, but I, it's a good read. It's a good read, well, speaking of
1: of good reads raman what is the good read we're reading next week
0: well ryan next well it's not even next week anymore we gotta stop next, the next episode, next, <laughs> episode. <laughs> next whenever this podcast airs well we continue to march away through the alphabet and who knows if we'll make it through the whole alphabet by the end of the year but the next letter in the alphabet is q and q is for queenie the godmother of harlem it's a historical graphic novel inspired by the life of harlem's legendary mobster Stephanie St. Clair, by Orally Levy and Elizabeth Columba. Queenie follows the life of Stephanie St. Clair, the infamous criminal who made herself a legend in Harlem in the 1930s. Born on a plantation in the French colony of Martinique, St. Clair left the island in 1912 and headed for the United States, eager to make a new life for herself. In New York, she found success, rising up through poverty and battling extreme racism to become the ruthless queen of Harlem's mafia and a fierce defender of the black community. You know we love us uh, some nonfiction on quarantine comics, so... Q for Queenie, godmother of Harlem. And that's our show. Like what you heard? Be sure to share with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review wherever you get your favorite podcasts. See lots of pretty pictures of the books we read at QTDcomics.com. And since we're sure no one's listening, prove us otherwise. Shoot an email over to say what I got right and what Ryan got wrong at QTDcomics at gmail.com. We'll give you a social media handle, but we're old and that feels like too much work. I'm Roman Segel.
1: And I am and have always been Ryan Joe.